1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Podcast on 5th Ave. I'm Taylor Haas. You're Danny Shirey. You're back in Pittsburgh. I'm in St. Louis. Uh, a lot of news today uh, on your end. Uh,
0: yeah, it, it, it ended up being quite uh, quite busier of a Friday than I was anticipating.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess, I mean, the the big news to start, Casper Kapanen put on waivers today. I... I don't know about you. I was shocked, not because it wasn't warranted, but because they actually did it. <laughs> were
0: you surprised? Yeah. The the well, we got to the I, I got to practice, and and all the guys are getting out there. And of course, you're you're keeping track of which guys are, are on the ice to you know just know who you need to ask about for injury updates afterward with Sullivan and Kapanen was one of the guys. Uh, I think it was him and Ryan Paling were the only guys that weren't out there. Um, I didn't notice anything uh, about or I didn't notice anything happening to Kapanen in the game Thursday night against the Oilers. Um, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, crap. Like, is he getting traded? Is, are they putting him on waivers? And, of course, he he did end up getting put on waivers. I, I What surprised me is that Hextall was willing to move on from his mistake, right? Because he, he signed Kapanen to two years when he didn't need to at all. Right, And not only did he sign him uh, on a two-year contract, but he signed him at the exact same cap hit as the last contract that Kapanen was on. So it really seemed like Kapanen was a guy, despite his... Um inconsistencies, I, I guess, it's that's becoming pretty much a buzzword surrounding this team because it just happens with seemingly all the guys. Um, but he, he genuinely seemed like a guy that this front office really liked and, and even Mike Sullivan seemed to really like and and had a, a special affection for. So I, I, I was definitely surprised and and maybe even a little more surprised that a guy like Brock McGinn wasn't the one who put, was put on waivers.
1: Yeah, I mean, someone kind of had to go on waivers today. We knew that just because, you know, Jan Ruda... Is going to be coming off of long term IR probably tomorrow. Um, he'll probably play, or when you're listening to this today, probably play against the blues um, here in St. Louis on, on Saturday. And in order to act, you know, he's the only guy in long term IR right now to put, so they're getting relief on his $2.75 million cap it. They, they have to get rid of, you know, two skaters um, in order to afford to, to activate him. So, Right now, Drew O'Connor is the only guy exempt from waivers. Um, Ryan Paling, maybe he goes on uh, long-term IR. He's about two weeks out from um, the minimum of you know the ten games and twenty-four days, so that's a possibility. But um, if you don't want to send Drew O'Connor down, or if you know Ryan Paling's not ready, uh, if, if he's not going to need long-term IR, someone would have had to go on waivers. So I think I would have expected you know. Dan Heinen, just because he is sitting in the press box. Um, or Like you said, if it was going to be someone from the third line, obviously it can't be Jeff Carter. But Brock McGinn, I think, would have made more sense to me.
0: And, and we'll get into this in the next segment, but I, I, the, the more I thought about it, and, and I, I should have known this because I knew it was a big reason why McGinn was in the lineup over Heinen in the first place, despite going 20-plus games without a point, is that McKin, McGinn kills penalties. And, and that's just the simple fact of the matter. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so I, I guess what, what do you think happens with him? So, you know, we'll find out by 2 o'clock on Saturday – um, if he claims, if he if he um if he gets claimed or if he clears, if if he it does clear and gets sent down to Wilkesbury, that only clears one point one, just over one point one million in cap space. The rest becomes dead cap, um, and like that would be the same if he's you know I you know like if he's down there next year too. Now you're thinking like there's three million dollars in dead cap between that and the nine hundred thousand right. Jack Johnson buyout. So it, it's Seems like it's going to be a mess uh, either way. What do you think happens?
0: Yeah, part of me wants to say that no GM in their right mind around the league would take on Kapanen at at his current price tag for the rest of this season and next season. But the other part of me says NHL general managers do goofy crap all the time, including the Penguins general manager. So I really don't know what to expect. I'm almost starting to kind of think that there's going to be a team out there that like the Penguins kind of think they might be able to maximize his potential, whether or not that's going to end up being the case. Um, And they might, they might take a flyer on him because as, as as poor as Kapanen has been at times over his three seasons in Pittsburgh, I mean, you can't deny um, how enticing and intriguing the speed he brings to the table is. It's just, he hasn't really been able to translate it into, into consistent results.
1: Yeah. I I looked into it. There are 14 teams that can currently afford to claim Kapanen and Several of those teams are using long-term IR that won't be available to them for the, the rest of the regular season. So not, not all of them would be able to claim him and keep him for the rest of the season. So yeah, there's, there's I, I, th- I think he, he clears just because cap space is at such a premium and you're seeing what teams are paying for cap dumps, you know, like two draft picks, like mid-round draft picks. If you're a team that does have that kind of cap space and it is, you know, at such a premium, why would you give it away for free on Capitan? Unless you're a team like Arizona, who does have a ton of cap space and they're not going to be contending for anything next year. Maybe you take a flyer. Capitan's young enough that if they can turn him around, then you know he can be there through the rebuild.
0: Yeah, maybe I, I don't even know about Arizona though because a, part of me thinks that um, like I, I'm pretty sure the Penguins have been talking to the Coyotes in some capacity whether it's about Jacob Chikrin or or Nick Bukestad. Um, I I have to imagine that cabinet came up in, in some talks like that and that they they might have just decided that it wasn't it wasn't worth it to take them on so if if they don't have anything like else coming back as a as a package with them I'm not even sure that they'd be willing to take them on then.
1: Yeah, I guess I mean the last thing with this is—is is this enough to uh, <laughs> get anywhere? I I saw a comment on our site because um, you know people when the little changes they've been making to the bottom six people call it you know rearranging deck chairs uh, on the Titanic. The comment was from the his username is Healthy Scratch called this throwing a deck chair off of the Titanic, um, and I think that's pretty accurate. I I I don't I don't see. What problem this solves, other than getting Ruta back into the lineup?
0: No, I I, I really don't either. And I have been I've been very very critical of Kapanen and his performance basically since he he rejoined the Penguins here um, several years ago. And uh, the the thing about Kapanen is that I think he can provide a bit of value because um, he's one of those guys that can still you know put up points at a decent rate regardless of the impacts he's going to have on on possession and shots and chances. But when you're Putting him with two play-driving black holes on his line and Jeff Carter and Brock McGinn, it's like you're obviously not going to get anything out of him. And like I, I tend to agree with the common sentiment uh, from a lot of fans that like Capanen was not the problem on that line. Yeah, you'd you'd like Kapanen to be better, and you'd maybe even like a better player than him in that spot. But like, like you and I both talked about earlier, like a guy like Brock McGinn, he's he's just literally bringing nothing right now aside from decent defensive impacts. And even then, like those guys, you can find guys a lot cheaper than 2.75 million a season that can bring you those defensive impacts.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing Kapanen go down to Wilkesbury and seeing what he can do with a, uh, an effective center like uh, Sam Hood or Drake Kajul at this point, because <laughs> uh, maybe he can be a big help to Wilkesbury. but we weren't really seeing it at the NHL level. Uh, Let's take a break, we're gonna come back, we're gonna talk about other news uh, from Friday, very newsy day, so uh, stay with us. All right, and we are back. I uh, I should have mentioned this uh, when we started, but if you're listening to us on Spotify, you know Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are uh, back on YouTube now. So if you want to watch us, just look up DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube. If that's something that's uh, interesting to you, but uh, like we said, I'm in St. Louis. You're back in Pittsburgh. Very newsy day back in Pittsburgh. Um, Ron Hexall spoke for only the third time um, this <laughs> in the regular season today. Uh, after practice, and and you were there, you covered it. Just What are, what are some of the takeaways from that?
0: Yeah, the, the the biggest thing that Hextall came out and said, despite what everybody's crying for at this stage after the Penguins have lost uh, now four in a row and, and five of their last six, everybody wants the Penguins to become sellers at the trade deadline. Hextall said at the beginning of February, the Penguins were not going to become sellers at the deadline. He said that again on Friday. The Penguins will not be selling at the trade deadline. He um, basically reiterated the fact that look, we, we committed to this core last summer. Um, and, and we're not going to give up on it at, at this point. He is going to continue to look to improve this team right now and he's looking to improve this team um, you know over the next couple years as well they're not you know putting all their eggs into one basket to try and, and go all out this season. Um, the one thing he did mention that was slightly more newsworthy um, was that he's he, the decision has been made that they will not be moving out premium assets like a first round pick or a top prospect like Owen Pickering. For a rental this season, um, those it sounds like those players will be on the table um, if if the centerpiece of the return they're getting back for them uh, will be able to help them this season and beyond. But it, it doesn't sound like um, they're they're all that interested in one offs this season.
1: Yeah, I guess that's a little surprising for him thinking so far ahead to the future. Just because I don't know if someone like Owen Pickering, whenever he makes the NHL, is going to be the GM. Oh, yeah.
0: um, I, I think you were the one that made the joke, but like Malkin's going to be riding jet skis off the coast in Florida by the time Owen Pickering yeah. probably makes his NHL debut if he ever does make his NHL debut. So it's, and, and I don't know, this might just be exasperating the problem here, continuing to like toe the line of like, yeah, we want to keep our middling first round pick for another five years from now, but we're also trying to win the Stanley cup right now. Like that, it, it doesn't work half the time when you you're all the way in the door, let alone when you're halfway in the door. So, so, so who knows how this is going to play out?
1: Yeah. Uh, other other big takeaway from, from Hexel's press conference that he was asked specifically about the play of Jeff Carter. He went like a little broad with it. Just, uh, just what did he say about that?
0: Yeah. So he, he almost made it through the entire press conference without getting asked about Carter. But the very last question, uh, it was not about the bottom six. It was not directly related to some broader thing. It was specifically, what is your assessment of Jeff Carter's play at this very moment. And he went on um, this this long-winded tangent about um, you know, the, the bottom six doesn't have the right pieces and uh, none of this is Kasperi Kapanen's fault and the salary cap is a struggle and we've got some pieces that are down in the minors that could help us, but at the end of the day, we're really just trying to give Mike Sullivan the best roster we can to let him do as he pleases with. And then finally, he got around to saying, Jeff Carter's done some good things for us this year. There's been times when he hasn't been all that great, um, or at least playing at the level that we think he's capable of. But at the same time, he fills a very specific role for us by killing penalties and being very good at taking faceoffs. Okay,
1: <laughs> that, that's what we've heard about Jeff Carter. Uh, I, I feel like anytime Sullivan's been asked about well, like the third line, and you know, a couple times he's been asked about Jeff Carter specifically, it's like. He's done good things he's ba- done bad, you know not so good things uh he kills penalties and he takes faceoffs like everyone knows that i but it's not so much of like oh yeah, 50-50 sometimes he's good sometimes he's bad like uh, overwhelmingly negative the faceoff thing is real i it, people yeah, are not I mean, that I, he's I, I i looked in, uh, in among centers with over 600 minutes play this season so like you oh, know this is going to be numbers, good he's he's number 7 in the league in faceoffs like that's that's significant. That's not just like, oh, he's like above 50. Like he's he is one of the best centers in the league at face-offs. Um, he's like 59% for context. Sit is at 52. Malcolm's at 51. Bluegrass right around 50. Ryan Paling, who did play a little bit of center, he's down at 43. So the the value he brings as far as face-offs go to be that far above 50 is significant. But beyond that, not much.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not ignorant to the fact that you cannot have the same like mold or, or type of player entirely across your lineup and that you might need um, specialists in certain areas. But the Penguins infatuation with having guys that like s- fill specific roles, whether it be like the penalty kill or like Hextall mentioned, like a specific left-handed center to take certain draws, like – yeah, th- those things are more like luxuries and bonuses on top of just having good players. Okay. You, you don't pass over the good players to get this like minimal, tiny component of the game. Like, yeah, Jeff Carter's been really good at the dot this season. The Penguins have also scored less than 40% of the goals with him on the ice at five on five. So, how much good is that face off ability really helping that?
1: True. Sure. Uh, Another big thing (laughs) Hextall was asked about. So, you and Dan covered the game Thursday at home against the Oilers. That whole mess. But at some point during that game, well, a couple times during that game, fans started shooting fire Hextall, which is the first time we've heard that. Right. At any point this season. Uh, So, what what did did he have to say about that?
0: Um, Well... what he said and what is the truth? Um, I think those lines might not be parallel with each other, because um, Hextall straight up said, "Oh, it, it doesn't impact me at all. Like it doesn't affect me. I under I understand that the fans are frustrated. We've set high expectations here. We're not meeting them. Um, and and." You know, he he said, "Look, I I came into the NHL at 22 years old, and he used to be a, a pretty tough guy for the Flyers back then, and and definitely made his fair share of enemies among fan bases and around the league." Or Robbie um, Brown, he,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so he so he he knows criticisms just a part of the business. Um, but with all that being said, it is a little eye-catching or at least makes you raise an eyebrow that he says that but then holds just his second hockey related press conference all season the day after those chants happen it's almost like uh, okay I'm gonna come out and talk and maybe try and save face here a little bit I don't know it, it just caught me by surprise at least because this wasn't a scheduled press conference either like I I was actually on my way home from cranberry from practice and I got the media advisory like hextall's talking in 40 minutes it's like oh okay, great.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, maybe him stepping up to, to answer to, to some of these moves. Maybe that is partly related to the fan reaction for what he said. It's not going to impact like the actual moves they make. I, I believe that because he's not going to hear the chance to be like, Oh shoot. Like now I should, like he knows it's not working. He can see that it's not working. I, I, I don't think like the fans chanting or it's like, okay, well now I'll make a trade. Uh, it doesn't quite work like that.
0: But, yeah, and I mean, even when he had his his press conference at the beginning of February, he's like, I, I don't feel any, or he said he said he thinks it's dangerous to feel like you need to make a move. Um, you know, I I, I know that kind of displeases some people uh, considering the state of the team, but I mean, I it's it's hard not to agree with him in, in that context.
1: Yeah. Anything else from from Hextall's press conference you want to touch on? If anyone hasn't seen it, the full videos on on our DK Pittsburgh Sports YouTube. You obviously wrote about it, coverage on on the site.
0: Yeah, the, the the last thing I wanted to touch on, um, I I asked Hextall, um, you know, considering that um, the, the Penguins do have some very real salary cap issues, but you can also make the argument and it, I don't even know that you need to make an argument as much as it is a fact that several of the contracts that Hextall has signed over the past two years are the biggest reasons why they're in salary cap trouble in the first place. Jeff Carter, Brock McGinn, Kasperi Kapanen. Um, and now the fact that today he moved on from Kapanen, I, I straight up asked him, I was like considering these things and just the state of the team in general, have you and your front office reconsidered at all the way you guys do your player evaluation? And he straight up came out and said, no, um, you know, we've done some good things. That was thinking, those are the first things out of his mouth. Okay. Um, and and I'm not, I'm not denying that he went out and targeted and acquired and re-signed a guy like Ricard Raquel. Um, that much is fair. But when he's sitting there and going on and on about, oh, we've done some good things and you're not going to bat 100 percent and hindsight's 2020. well, not to toot my own horn and, and maybe not yours as well, but I, I'm pretty sure both of us have, have called a lot of these things out from the moment that they happen. So this, this isn't some case where it's hindsight is 2020. It's no, there's something going on with your player evaluation. And if anything, it seems like nothing has changed in that regard.
1: Like not re-signing Felix Robert, I'm going <laughs> to keep beating that dead horse. <laughs> um, before, before we move on, go to the next segment. Wanted, not from Hexal's press conference, but a little bit of a news. The NHL, they posted, I think it was the NHL League account, they posted the rankings of the top speeds clocked by players this season. And I don't think anyone would have guessed which player in the NHL has the top Recorded speed this season is Ryan Paling um, fastest speed in the NHL. It was thirty-four miles per hour. I don't no, 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 no. It was twenty-four. It was twenty-four. <laughs> it was 24 yeah, twenty-four point <laughs> three. That's what it If he's going thirty-four miles an hour, we're gonna test him for something. But no, twenty-four. Uh, yeah. Are, how, were you shocked? I was shocked.
0: I was shocked. I mean, he he, he is fast, but I, I consider him more to just be a guy that plays like an tempo style and like plays with a lot of pace and will like kind of get up in your face a little bit with his speed and his forechecking. Um, and he can get going when he has time and space and is kind of just going in a straight ahead line. But like to see him above friggin Connor McDavid on that list, it was just like, what?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Start the campaign to get him into the all-star game next year, just so we can see him <laughs> faster skater to see like this put to the test. But um, that's it for this. We're going to take a- another break. We're going to come back and we're going to answer. I have a ton of questions from Twitter that I put out a call for. We're going to we're going to answer some of them. So stay with us. Right, and we are back. Like I said uh, before we started recording, I put out a call on Twitter for some questions for us to answer. Some of them are stuff we already kind of touched on in the last two segments. So, um, and some of them are kind of repetitive. So if we don't get to your question, uh, it was
0: extremely personal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, we got a ton of them. So like just time time wise, we don't. I I feel like we're gonna do some of these Q and A segments for a while now. So if we don't get to it this time, ask it again. We'll we'll get to it another time. Uh, To start off, Clark, he says, is there a world where the Penguins look at what the Capitals just did with Dmitry Orlov and consider doing something similar, perhaps with Zucker, uh, not becoming full-blown sellers, but selling off a pending UFA or two to recoup assets to use in the summer? So for people who don't know what he's asking about, uh, there's a three-team trade. Uh, The Capitals and Bruins made Minnesota the middleman Retained salary and Dmitry Orlov. The Bruins got Dmitry Orlov and Garnett Hathaway. The Caps got a first round pick, a second round pick, a third round pick, and like a bottom six center and in, in, uh, Craig Smith. And the Capitals retained half of Orlov's salary. The middleman Minnesota retained 25 percent, um, and the Wild got a fifth round pick from Boston in exchange for for doing that. So, do see a uh, scenario where the Penguins do something similar?
0: Uh, no, I don't. Cause like we just talked about, I mean, Hextall said they're, they're still trying to improve the team and they're, they're still trying to win right now. So I, I just don't see a scenario in which shipping out Zucker for futures assets or, or, I mean, maybe you do it with a guy like Dumoulin, but they have shown no signs that they even have many problems with Dumoulin's game, especially right now, considering he's still playing on the top pairing. Um, So basically you're looking at a guy like Zucker or Teddy Bluger who, who would be going out. I don't see them being a better team by, by shipping Zucker out. Um, I guess maybe you could ship Bluger out, but I don't know that I'd be all that comfortable doing that unless Ryan Paling is completely over his nagging upper body injury. Um, And I don't know that that's going to be the case until the off season.
1: Yeah. And I mean, getting back like draft picks, if they're for like this year. It, those, those assets, you know, they, they, it's like a buying a car. Like they lose value as soon as you drive it off the lot.
0: Yeah. Whatever you're
1: going to get back for like if it's a draft pick, if you like draft a prospect like that, it, it's, it's just less valuable. Like teams want to use those picks themselves. I agree. Uh, moving on. Cody. He says, is there anyone in the college free agent pool that you've kept your eye on other than Aiden Fulp and Max Sasson? So I can answer this one. Um, no, but Aiden Fulp and Max Sasson are two guys I have been following who undrafted, um, who I'd like to see the Penguins sign. People don't know who they are. Both of them from Western Michigan. The Penguins invited them to development camp uh, this past summer as uh, undrafted tryouts. Um, I, it, I didn't expect either of them to get a contract out of that camp. They didn't obviously, cause they're back in college, but cause I mean, Sasson, um, was a freshman. He's a sophomore this year. Fulp was a sophomore. He's a junior this year. It's not uncommon for the, Pe- the penguins have done it before. Well, they'll invite a college free agent uh, before they're ready to sign to one of those camps in the summer, send them back and then sign them the following summer. And these guys are both pretty intriguing. Um, so and like I said, he's a sophomore, center. Um, he's in the top 30 in scoring in the entire country. Nine goals, 23 assists in 32 games, so point per game. Um, Fulp, he's a junior. Uh, big, he's 6'3", 210 pounds, right-handed. He's a defensive defenseman. Um, he still chips in, like, offensively, right about the same rate he was uh, last year. He has two goals and 10 assists in 31 games. Plays with a bit of an edge. He leads Western Michigan in block shots. He has 42 assassin, they could, they could use a scoring center like that. And then Fulp, they don't really have very many big defense prospects, especially those kinds of like defensive defenses with an edge other than maybe Nolan Collins. So I'd be looking at them. Um, yeah. I don't know. You, you following any college prospects?
0: <laughs> no, I, I have zero time for college hockey. I get all my information from you.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, another, uh, prospect related question, uh, Penn's tweets, said, I know the prospect pool isn't deep, but aren't there better options in Wilkes-Barre than this current bottom six? Nylander, Pustinen, is it worth a shot if the GM isn't going to make a move? I know Hexdall kind of touched on this
0: today. Yeah, he, he by name, mentioned Alex Nielander, Valtteri Pustinen, uh, Philip Hollander, and Jonathan Gruden as players who are down in Wilkes-Barre um, that have at least caught his eye. Um, I, I know a lot of people out there, uh, you know, are like if if there were better options down in Wilkes-Barre, they'd be up with the team. I kind of tend to agree as it pertains to Nealander in that case. Um, I, and I, I should preface this with the, that Nealander and are, are in my eyes, are the two guys that might be able to make a difference this season, like right now. Um, Nealander maybe um uh, and I I definitely like I I don't see any scenario in which he's not an upgrade on on Brock McGinn right now like if you watched Pustinen's NHL debut against the Knights last season like he he looked like he belonged and that was like a over a year ago at this point um and and ev- everything um you know that I've seen all the reports coming out of wilkes Bear is that he's he's Significantly better than last season. Like he's he's really rounded out his game. Um, I don't know. You're the you're the prospect guru. What do what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm. Tuustin obviously like offense first, but he's not a liability. Like I think a lot of us expected with him coming over from um, Finland last year. Just you know, European players coming onto the smaller ice, adjusting to that style of play, especially smaller ones like him you worry about that being a challenge that's never even from the start of the season been an issue last year so um he's like reliable enough responsible enough that that you could fit him in he has the pace that he could really add some energy Nylander um Sullivan has expressed concerns with his pace and obviously one of the knocks on him has always been his play away from the puck uh, Sullivan expressed that concern to JD Force. He thinks he's really made big strides this season in that regard. Um, I don't know if it's enough to be like a not a reliable bottom six type player. I, and also, if we're looking at like okay, like, I don't think either of them are like sure bet long term options just because we haven't seen them really up here. Right. Like Nylander, we haven't seen him up in Pittsburgh at all. Who's seen in just one game last year? So I don't think I'm not confident. In anyone enough to say like okay sure get them all like clear a spot for them and for the rest of the year just because we we don't know this would have been a thing where like maybe you get them give them a shot earlier in the season when there's you have an opportunity but that didn't happen Or, or,
0: or maybe don't go into the season up against the salary cap so you can give yourself some wiggle room to to kind of do that testing
1: all right next question um from Zach, he says, "What type of trade, in your opinion, is most likely brewing up? A hockey type trade, or is Hex still going to shed some salary and get rid of some of these u- upcoming UFAs for picks or cap relief?" Now that four other trades, I we've kind of talked about this. Where I I I think the guy who ma- makes the most sense to move out is Ian Ruta, just because he's a luxury they can't afford on the third pairing. He's not two million dollars in a mark better than a Mark Freeman or a Chad Ruedel. He makes enough that maybe you could get something back. Make something you can maybe get something back to improve the third line.
0: Yeah, I think so. I I almost kind of think that this might happen in one deal. Like whatever piece they might be targeting, what large or small, I feel like the salary dump is going to happen in that trade. Like I'm not so sure that they're going to have to like ship Ruta to the Coyotes to then go make a trade with the Sharks or or whoever it may be. I, those are not rumors or anything I've heard. I'm just throwing. Team names out there, but, um, I, Hextall kind of strikes me, um, You know, we we see all these like three way deals that are happening and like the salary retention and everything that's going on. I don't, Hextall doesn't strike me as the kind of GM that has all that much creativity to pull things off like that. Um, I, I kind of almost feel like the extent of his creativity as a GM is kind of what we saw over the offseason with the Marino and, and Matheson traits to bring in, um, Ty Smith and Jeff Petrie and Ryan Paley.
1: Yeah. Dead on. Move on, Harrison. Uh, Harrison Baldwin, he says, what do you think is more important to this team trading um, trading for a new partner for Latang, or trade for a new third-line center? I mean, for me, I think the easy one is third-line center. I mean.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Third-line center. Um, that they're just they're straight up not going to be able to compete without somebody who's going to be able to push play a little bit up the middle on the third line, especially with the options that they have on the wing. Um, and especially now that Kapanen's gone. I mean, I, I really like Danton Heinen, but he hasn't been anything special this year either. And I don't even know how much of an upgrade he truly will be on Kapanen, if at all. I mean, maybe if you're comparing their cap hits. Um but with that being said, I think it is somehow flying under the radar here recently with how much has been made of the, the bottom six issues that Brian Dumoulin is nowhere close to a top pairing defenseman right now. And it just continues to be he just continues to be treated as such.
1: Kind of in the same vein, Andrew James asks what number and combination of realistic moves would would they need to make at this point to get past any of the top four teams in the East or top three in the Metro? They're not not one move away from being a real contender in the playoffs.
0: No, but I I saw it on Twitter. I'm not exactly sure who said it. But it said something along the lines of it would be extremely penguins for to to only make it to the first round uh, in the playoffs each of the past however many years it's been with better teams that they have than they have now. And then to somehow squeak into the playoffs with this this middling team and then somehow like win around just because that's how goofy and random hockey is. Um, so I, I'm never going to rule that out. Um, but I I'm definitely not putting any money down on the Penguins in a series against the the Bruins, no. or, or even the even the Rangers at this point. That this is you know we're just a, not even a year removed from the Penguins absolutely dominating the Rangers in, in the postseason. Aside from uh, third string goaltending.
1: Yeah, <laughs> not really much of a question, but a comment. Jeff's Penguin says, The Penguins are only a Meyer, a Chicken, and a Barbashev, a Janot, a Kraus, and a Vegemalka away from being a good team. How can Hextall not get this done? I think, d- what were you saying?
0: I was just going to say, I'm surprised that comment from Jeff did not mention Ricard Raquel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> We don't really gotta comment on that. I think peng- they, people just see like the names out there and be like, okay, that's that's exactly what the Penguins. I, people are like talking about Patrick Kane, like that's the last thing Penguins need right now. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, let me let me know how they're going to figure out his cap hit in, even if it fifty percent retained salary.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, Evan McLaren, he says, not sure if this has any basis in reality, but I'm interested in your thoughts on this trade possibility floated by uh, it's ESPN's Kristen Shelton. Hallander and a second round pick for the Blues for Barbashev. I this is my issue with like people like throwing out trade proposals is like this doesn't include any way of how the Penguins are going to afford that. <laughs> like even if the nice. asking price for Barbashev is like a second round pick and like a, a good prospect like Hallander Barbashev, his cap is 2.25 million so like what are you shipping out to to fit that in and what are you you know if you're dumping like someone like, like a and on um, the blues, like y- you probably have to include a little bit more for, for them to take. And that's I like fancy, like, Oh, the asking price for this player is like a first round pick picking this. And P- Penguins trying to like, why don't we just do that? Cause right. what, what they have to move a player out and that that's the issue.
0: Yeah. And, and if that question is just specifically asking for our thoughts on Ivan Barbashev as a player, um, yeah, he he's probably an upgrade on some pieces in the Penguins' bottom six because of what he can bring offensively. Um, I will say that, despite the fact that he embraces some of the grittier components of the game, like hitting and and just embracing contact and things like that, he's got some of the defense like consistently some of the defense worst defensive impacts among all NHL <laughs> forwards like over the past three seasons. So, um, one, he's probably going to make defensive issues worse, or at least he's not going to help them. And there's also reason to believe that his production over the past couple seasons has been buoyed by unsustainable shooting from himself and his line mates. Um, so I, I did include Barbashev as one of my potential trade targets for the Penguins, but it's also important to keep in mind that while he can play center and, and is listed as a center, he predominantly plays the left wing.
1: Yeah. Uh, Clint Novak, he says, since everyone will ask about the main squad, I'll be different. Uh, what the heck has happened to Nathan Lagre and is there any chance for red- redemption? I don't. He Lagari really hasn't taken a step back, much of a step back. He just hasn't really taken any steps forward. I think part of this is that just at the time, you know, he was drafted and Poulin was drafted. They were the top two forward prospects in the in the Penguins system. That does not mean that they're premiered prospects. It just relative to the rest of the pool. That was the best they had. I mean, he was a third-round pick for a reason. He has deficiencies. We're not really seeing a whole lot of offense for him. We're still seeing, like, the the chippiness that, like, you and I saw at the Prospects game in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, he, especially, it seems like, when, when Friedman was down in Wilkes-Barre, a lot of times there's, like, a scrum after a whistle and things are, you know getting a little feisty and then it separates and you see like Legere and Friedman are in the middle of it like (laughs) so but we're still seeing like Legere get under guy's skin he's he but he is like mostly a a fourth line guy down there he's not really anywhere close he has half the goals less than I think half the goals of Jonathan Gruden um at this point and Gruden Gruden has um like, he's one of their best defensive forwards. He kills penalties, and is not one of the best defensive forwards. <laughs> um, and, you know, Gruden has a little chippiness edge to his game, too. So, Legere, he just very just guys ahead of him in the, in the depth chart.
0: Yeah, I, I think Legere really, I, I don't want to say it's a bad thing that he did this, but, like, he... At least, is is in terms of like fan perception when he scored. I think it was two goals in like a preseason game the year that he was drafted. It was like, oh, like we finally have a forward prospect who's gonna help us offensively, and like everybody just latched on to that. And like for the past three years, it's like, oh, call Legere up, call Legere up. It's like, well, he's not even really doing anything down in the minors.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll take a couple more. Zach, he says, here's an on trade deadline one. How often does a player wear the same jersey throughout a season? Is it the goal to use one set of each of the variants for the whole season? Uh, I'm pretty sure that, so for like the specialty ones, like the third or the uh, alternates they wear throughout the season, but like the home and away, I think they're two sets. So first half, yeah, second half.
0: Yeah, that, that was my understanding as well.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, Nathan, he says, will Hex still be the GM of the start of next season? Ooh. Ooh. I, so I, it's hard to say because like, we don't really know how you know, Fen, they answer to Fenway. Uh, we don't really know how Fenway feels about them just because they, they we don't, don't even don't,
0: know if they're paying attention.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, 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 you know, they have like a liaison at, you know, implanted within management. I know that someone from Fenway speaks with someone from upper management. Um, my understanding is that uh, after every game, at least that's how it was earlier in the season. So, I, but we don't really know. They're not hockey people.
0: No, I mean, and they're trying to deal with the sale of Liverpool Football Club, which um, I would assume assume takes precedent over an NHL hockey team.
1: <laughs> the development of the civic like arena site like takes precedent over the actual hockey team. So I I also don't know who's out there that would be available as a, as a GM. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like you see how to GM into next season. And if things don't get any better then maybe they, uh, they make a move. I don't see them, uh, doing anything urgent right now.
0: Uh, I, I, I want to answer this question so that I have something to stake my, my polling. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to say that yes, he's, he's going to be the general manager to start next season.
1: Okay. Write it down. Uh, <laughs> Blue Penguin says, what gives you hope regarding the Penguins?
0: I mean, it's got to be what Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are yeah. still doing right now, right? Like, if, if they do end up going anywhere, it's, it's going to be because of them.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it's going to be, you know, the, the core. I don't, I mean, we, we've talked about it a bunch of times, about how people freak out. Like, oh, they should see this is what you, and you, you know, stick with the core. that They're not the problem. And walk in at you know 6.1. That that's just an incredible value.
0: The, the three of them cost less now than they have for over a decade. Yeah. They are not the problem. <laughs>
1: okay. Um last question is from Alan. He says, when will the pain end?
0: Oh, pain is forever, Alan. <laughs>
1: I don't think
0: it's going to end <laughs> um, wait are we talking about hockey or life here
1: I think it's just an existential <laughs> in general. when's it going to end um that's it for for this week we've gone pretty long with this segment we'll do more of these Q&A's in the future they're pretty fun uh thanks again for listening to us uh we drop new episodes every Saturday wherever you listen to podcasts and now we're back on YouTube so you can watch us if that's the thing um Thanks again for joining us, Uh, we hope you'll join us again next week.